not sure a harmonica goes with that, though. You can. Okay. What key is your harmonica in? James? He doesn't know. I've got like three. I don't know which one was here. Welcome to the Filene Fill-In, the podcast where we fill you in on what's been going on here at Filene's home base and out and about in the financial services world. I'm Holly Fearing with Filene. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. Before we get started, just a reminder to new listeners of our podcast, you can catch all future episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and newly added, you can also find us on Google Play. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what we're doing, please leave a rating or comment so more awesome credit union folks like you can find us. And if you'd like to drop us a line or suggest something for a future show, or if you want to be on a future show, tweet us at Filene Research, or find me on Twitter at Fearing Holly, or email me, hollyf at filene.org. Today, we're talking with one of our nearest and dearest friends of Filene, Brent Dixon, who once upon a time started this thing we all know and love as the Cooperative Trust. I've also got Filener from across the pond, James Marshall, who is the manager of the Cooperative Trust today. This is a huge community of credit union professionals and some of the most passionate supporters of the movement out of anyone I know. For all of those industries wondering how to attract and engage young people, this community is a leading example to take because it's been successful in not only the stories we tell, but also in the data we see. In this two-part podcast, we'll hear on the second half from someone who was part of the original crash event and now is a credit union CEO. This is by no means an isolated incident either, but more on that later. First, we hear from, as I like to call them, the two bookends of the Cooperative Trust. It's going to be a little informal chat, so we're gonna, I'm going to make this into a podcast later. We'll do the podcast magic later. But, um, I like magic. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite magic trick? Oh, gosh. The one where they go underwater yeah. and unlock themselves and all that. Yeah. Is that still considered magic? I think so. Is it escapism? Because that's impressive to me. I saw a guy pull a goose out of his sleeve. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. That was when, when, when I was a kid. And I still have no idea how the, did it. We should probably get talking about what we're supposed to be talking I'm about here. So, sure. Yeah, so... We have, I'm going to call this bookends. Is that fair to say you two are bookends of the Cooperative Trust? I don't know if there's anything in the middle. Yeah, what is that? What is, what is in between? What are the books? Yeah. If we're the bookends. Uh, oh, all of the thousands of people that you've touched their lives are the books in between. That, that was well done. Lives. That, was, that was really well done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll so here. Bookends, bookends we are. Hello, bookend. Hello, bookend. Brent, you are the left bookend over here, and then... Lots of things have happened. There's a, a James bookend, and then there's going to be more, there's more books. There's more books. There's more books to come, and I think I hope more bookends. Mm-hmm. How did you start this book, Brent? <laughs> yes, Brent, how did you start this book? Well, do I need to keep in, uh, within the metaphor? Um, so the first mm-hmm. page. No. <laughs> uh, uh, it started with sort of a, like a stupid idea. Um, I wanted to get more young people to come to the GAC to hang out with. I had gone there a couple of times doing client work and realized, one, that it was really important. 
um, sort of epicenter of credit union land and political advocacy and a lot of really, really brilliant people. And that also I was one of the only people my age who was there. Um, and that there were a lot of people who should be there that weren't. Mm -hmm. So I put a note out on Twitter uh, to a few folks and said, like, what if we got a group together and, and uh, tried to crash the event? And originally we weren't going to actually go to the GAC proper because tickets, money, basically everything was like, we don't have money, we're kids. So we, uh, the original plan was to hole up at a hostel for the hostel out there. It's like 10 bucks a night or something. Um, call up people that work in the credit union system to come meet us at bars and coffee shops around the area and just make full advantage of the fact that all of these people were here at one place at one time. Um, and that was the beginning of it. And then that that dovetailed into, you know, CUNA opening up um, scholarship opportunities for the, the collection of people that had said they were interested in going. Mm -hmm. And then that dovetailed into the, the first event, which after the first event, we had a conversation um, in particular with Robbie Wright, who is sort of this core um, core guy in the first group. Um, and we built, we decided we wanted to stay in touch and keep the network together. Um, and then that sort of became a group of people who shared ideas, best practices, um, things that were brutalizing and we needed emotional support on, um, research, everything. And then we decided to do it again as an event and grow more people. And so organically, bit by bit, this went from being kind of an exercise, like an experiment to see, like, can we bring a new set of people into the fold, into um, a growing community and um, sort of uh, like an expansion of, of the work to increase um, access and sort of dialogue and uh, connectivity between different generations working within the credit union system in, in order to push the system uh, forward as a whole. Mm -hmm. So if I could grossly oversimplify yeah, all yeah, that, yeah. what you just said, it sounds like you noticed something and then you did something about it. Mm -hmm. So what would your advice be for people who, it, it's really, I think the hardest thing is to notice something. So how, how is it that you were there? How did your brain click in and say, hey, wait, there's nobody my age here. We should do something about this. Well, part of it is that I was, like, lonely, right? <laughs> like, you're, you're the only person who's under 45 at an event. Uh, but, I mean, really it was, a uh, large part of it was also going around and I was doing um, advisory work with, with Filene. Um, they had this body of research that Ben Rogers had done called See You Tomorrow on Young People. Still lots of really good stuff in there. Um, but seeing that manifest in the real world and work and going and spending time with credit unions and seeing the tons and tons of young people in credit unions who are brilliant and passionate and extremely high potential and oftentimes um, lack the opportunity to put their sort of entrepreneurial drive um, to the test. Um, so these are people who are also seeing needs um, but didn't necessarily in some cases have the support or the resources um, or even like the mentorship to know what to do with that energy. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that drove a lot of it as well. Okay. Yeah. James, in, in many ways, you are kind of the best case scenario of the outcome 
of everything that Brent just said he wanted to start. Can you talk a little bit about what made you see what was happening and then take it to not just, I want to be part of it. I'm going to come to the crash. I'm going to lead this. I'm going to take it under my wing. I'm going to grow it to the next thing that it's become. So I think there's, I, I kind of fell into this completely by accident, right? This was nothing that kind of happened on purpose. I, I met Mark Meyer, our CEO here at Feline at um, a conference in Poland, and he started introducing me to people as the new Brent, and I had no idea who Brent was. And we're walking around this bar, and everyone's like, oh my God, you're going to be the new Brent, that's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, that's really, who's Brent? This is the, you know, and it was, it was this really kind of weird moment, right? And um, I eventually kind of found some stones to ask Mark, who, who, who's Brent? And uh, he said, well, he does a single crash and this is what it is. And it just it, it intrigued me, right? You know, I, I came from a, a credit union system in the UK, which is comparatively tiny to what it is here in the United States. And to see these kind of opportunities that were being created by this incredible um, thing that just didn't exist outside of outside of the US, I was like, wow, this is, this is fantastic. And I, I kind of do want to be involved in this. And so I somehow landed in this position and I got to go to GAC in 2013 where, where Brent and I first met after multiple Skype conversations I think I don't really know how many but we we at least once every couple of weeks I think we're on the phone and um and it became this thing where I came in you know we, we had a community then of around 270 when I kind of came in, in in 2013 and you know what I found was we were kind of limiting membership at that time to once once you've been to an event and I think we still agree there's nothing like face to face in our events you know you can do all the online stuff you can do all the community stuff you want but there's really nothing like face to face and getting people together in a room um However, we were kind of limiting that forum and that scope to that face-to-face piece. And so one of the first things I said was, you know, this is kind of silly. This should be for everybody. We should, you know, this should be something for everybody. And so we kind of opened that up and we we skyrocketed from 270 people in our community to almost 1,400 in the space of about three years, which I think really speaks to the volumes of what Brent created and that people wanted to be a part of something. And I think that's why we work in credit unions, right? We want to be a part of something. It's a community. Otherwise, we would work at banks or anywhere else, right? We want to be... And let's just pause here for a quick bathroom break. Oh, that's the, that's the toilet. That's going to be great. We can cut that out. That's perfect timing when we're talking about banks, I think. Um, the, the toilet flush. So, um, you know, I think you know, people want to be a part of something. It's human nature to want to be a part of something. And I think traditionally, and I think there's still people out there right now, these, these young, high, high potential professionals working in credit unions feel stuck on an island. Mm-hmm. You know, we go into the office every day and, and all people think is, I'm the only person going through this. No one listens to my ideas. I'm doing a nine to five. This is stressful. I hate this. Like, you know, it's not that they necessarily hate their job, but it's kind of that, there's that lack of connection. And so by opening up this community, we kind of managed to build this connection between so many more people, which has since fueled the events. Um, and so it's kind of, it's almost a chicken in the egg, right? You know, as much as the event came first at this point with the expansion of the community, we now do so many events in a year. We do around sort of 12 to 15 crash events in a year. And that's kind of really helped drive the sustainability of the community as well, because having that many in-person connections has really helped drive that online communication piece because people go to these things and leave and go oh my god I learned all this amazing stuff and now I want to tell and talk to everyone about it mm-hmm. and it drives that online communication and then that builds more 
kind of engagement in the overall community and then it just grows and grows and grows from there um, and I'm not really sure I answered your question and I'm still not sure what your question actually was at this point because I forgot and I started rambling um, my question was more She's were like, there no, you didn't answer no, you, didn't no. Answer question, right? you answered but I want to know what about it that you saw personally that was like that's for me that's the thing I want to do so the thing that really hit home for me and that kind of maybe really pushed towards this was this mentorship piece we talk about you know mentorship is key within any industry and I think with the one that we're in it's even more important almost because we do have an aging leadership um, and the thing that really kind of drew me to this was this concept of people were waiting to be mentored without realizing they were mentors themselves already and I think what drew me to this was that opportunity to say to people like age is no barrier to mentorship position is no barrier to mentorship like if you have something to share you can be a mentor um, and I think you know the, the greatest example of this was before my time but with Brent was Ronaldo Hardy Right? He went to Crash JC, went home and went, oh my God, I can be a mentor, and then started a young professionals group, which now led to over 400 people mm. being in his Louisiana young professionals group. Nick Fugel from Idaho came to Crash JC and went, oh my God, I can be a mentor, and went away and started a group that now has 100, almost 100 people in it in Idaho. So I think that's what really drew it for me was, we all need someone to help us out, and I think what I enjoyed was that opportunity to say to people, wait, stop waiting for this, you can be that. Has it been personally fulfilling for you to be able to be that for other people too? Not at all, it's been horrible. Yeah, uh, it seems really, like it. I've really hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been, you know, no, I, it's been fantastic. You know, it's really weird. I wouldn't say, yes, it's fulfilling, but it's also really humbling because you don't think about it like that mm-hmm. until someone else tells you that. Oh, yeah, I get that. You, you yeah. kind of, you just do it. You kind of go, what? You, what been, you like, I've done, I did yeah. that for some, but it's no, kind of like it's creepy not, then. It is like, kind of creepy. Whole time you've been, yeah. you've been kind of really? That I'm cool, but I've been thinking you're cool. Right, exactly. Yeah. It's this weird kind of back and forth, and it's not necessarily that I really think I did anything for anybody, and that's a big part of it. I think everyone did it for themselves. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, my job is not to do stuff for other people. It's hopefully to enable those people. Um, And one of my favorite, for those of you that watch TED Talks, um, there's a TED Talk called Everyday Leadership by a wonderful man in Canada, and I can't remember his name. But it's this concept of enabling other people to go do things. Mm -hmm. Right, and you may not even know you've had that effect on someone else's life, um, but you have, Mm -hmm. regardless of the smallest thing. And so um, that kind of always resonates with me. I don't think I'm doing anything for anybody. Hopefully I'm enabling them to do things for themselves, but those kind of little impacts. And again, you don't realize until someone tells you you've done it. Mm -hmm. You know, like someone for me in my life, for example, is a guy called Bob Lovesey, who crashed the one conference in 2013. And without him, I wouldn't know Mark. For Rob, it was just an introduction. Mm-hmm. Mark meet James. But it changed the whole course of my life. I got to move across the Atlantic. I got to be here and meet Brent. You know, and it was a small introduction. Mm-hmm. And I will never not be able to thank Rob enough for that. Yeah. But for him, it was an email and an introduction. Right. right. And so when people kind of come to me and say this stuff, and it's, you must experience the same thing sometimes, right? You're like, I didn't do anything. Mm. Like, it, like I sent an introduction or I allowed you to go to this thing. It was nothing that we actually did. You did it for yourself, mm-hmm. but it means so much to other people. You don't realize it. I don't know if you can speak no, to it. Yeah. I think it's like clearing space. One of the benefits of being at Feline, especially, and then, espe- and, and even more so almost like exponentially after, um, continuing to organize these events and meet a wider breadth of people and talent types is that it allow, I think it gives you a lens to be able to see um, capacity in someone that they might not be able to see in themselves mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and to identify like Just different perspectives. see what people are capable of and want more out of them, right? I remember one of the first things like before I started working with Filene that George or Mark said to me was like, we're really good at opening up doors, 
um, but you have to walk through them. Mm-hmm. And I think that we applied that same philosophy with this, you know, like all of these events were designed to, you know, light a fire under people and say, you are capable of a lot. Like you're here because, you know, you saw this massive potential in you. Um, this is not just about being here, but it's about going back and changing something. It's about action. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about being and, more than present. That's, yeah. you know, that's what we told you. It's about being more than present because you can be present anywhere. Yeah. Right. So and then opening up the doors, you know, for them by giving, like introducing them to as many people in the system who can help them push ideas forward as possible or connect them with more resources. And mm-hmm. it's just like, you see the potential energy, you ignite it, and then you create as many ways for it to become manifest as possible. So you started something clearly with this. It was a beginning. Did you have a vision for what it might look like at all? And if you did, is this what it looked like? Or did you just kind of want to start it and then go from there? At the very beginning, no. I mean, well, I mean, at the very, I, I would definitely say this thing continued to be and continues to be, I think, um, like emergent. Like like most you know like a lot of communities, um, especially the the more the community grew and became engaged, the more the community drove uh, a lot of the direction as well. Um, the early the early question was or, or like sort of uh, fight was was of access, you know, um, and it, so it was kind of. We almost like we're able to create benchmarks, and then once we hit that, say, okay, what's next, right? So, okay, we have access, so what's the next thing? We have all these people here um, who are charged up and ready to go, so then let's shift that to action. And so we started pushing people towards projects, like what are you going to do mm-hmm. about this? Um, and then the, you know, the next thing is, okay, how do we keep developing people to, to grow and to become leaders within their organizations? And, mm-hmm. and then how do we you know, encourage mentorship? And so it was kind of, I think we approached this in, a, in an incremental way. And the further along we got, I think maybe the more expansive the, the potential for what it could become uh, uh, was. Um, but at the beginning, it was, you know, it was this very specific thing. It was mm-hmm. just people need to be here that aren't here right now. Let's find a way to get them here. I think we still try and live that, right? The idea is that we just want to get as many people to as many places as possible. And I think that's that's shown in the idea of a, increasing the number of events that we do and increasing the amount of people we take to GAC. You know, that was something that CUNA pushed for, the Credit National Association pushed for, and we kind of went along with it hesitantly. Um, but it, it's been great to take that amount of people from across the country to do this. Um, I think as, as we think about, you know, you mentioned to Brent about where is this going and is there any kind of vision of what it's going to be next. I think it's really down to the individual who does this. You know, Brent had his thing, I had my thing, and I think whoever does this after me will have, like, a different perspective on where this goes next. And I, and I hope they do, right? I think that's really the natural next, next progression. Um, I think, you know, one thing that's always kind of stuck with me with this community is um, it's something that a, a, a man called Andy Janning always told me was, you know, the best trophy cabinet we will ever fill will be somebody else's and not our own. And so I think that's really the great thing about this community is I think everyone in this community believes that. Mm-hmm. And it's about coming forward together and developing the credit union system together and not about ourselves as individuals. And I think we're very lucky to, to be in that position. Cool. Any last thoughts? Um, I'm just grateful and excited to see how this thing has grown and the sense of responsibility that I, that I think like, the community itself has taken on 
um, as it's grown and also grateful for like the imagination and energy and vision of of James and the support he has here at Filene for like pushing this thing to the next 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 level and yeah excited to see where it goes next this is also a not an end point but a beginning point you know I think as Brent said it's the beginning point we where do we go next from here and you know, I thanks for Brent's kind of words, but I, we would, none of us would be sitting here even talking about this or winning this war without kind of Brent's spark and creativity at the start there and drive to push this forward and do something. I mean, George told me a story where, I don't know if these are the right words, but Brent was complaining about people not being at GAC and George said, well, do something about it. And this is talking about the enabling, right? People enabled us to do things. And so I don't think any of us would be here without Brent enabling us and hopefully we're enabling a future generation. So um, we're really excited and to yeah. see where we go next. Cool, I am too. I- you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what people do something about next. I think that's really what's exciting about what you guys started here. And so that's cool. Well, thank you guys so much for talking thank with you. us today. Thank you. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. Ooh, we clap? That's it for the filing fill-in, folks. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Brent and James, for joining us for a delightful conversation filled with many unexpected twists and turns. Before we go, James did have one last question for Brent. Is that poop? Mm-hmm. There was a goose. There was, mm-hmm. He was just standing on stage. He was wearing a suit. Where did mm-hmm. it come from? It's crazy. Thanks, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe and review us on iTunes if you please. Be sure to catch us again next time on the Filene Fill-In Podcast to keep up with what's going on here at Filene. Last time I had to do something like that, I drew a really in-detail basement. A basement? Yeah, with like appliances and everything. He didn't get it. Got him. See? Got him.